Our Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the means that you have appointed for our salvation. We thank you knowing that it cost you everything you had. Knowing that you suffered to the utmost. That you suffered the weight of God's judgment for sin. In order that today we can declare your gospel to every, every person. And that we can declare that the way is open. For a heart that doesn't know you as Saviour. For a heart away from God to, to find salvation from sin. And a return to its Creator. We ask for your help, Lord Jesus, as we declare your gospel and ask that, that each heart might be stirred by the declaration of your word, Lord Jesus, to salvation. We pray in, in your name. Amen. Amen. So, you've got lots of helpers again at the front. Thank you. Um, before I look at the first scripture from, from the Word of God, we've had something really interesting before us in, in the ministry, just before um, the break that we had. We heard about the great power of God that is towards us. We heard about the wonderful person who sits in the glory, our Lord Jesus Christ. A person who should be attractive to each one of our hearts. And we've heard about the nothingness of man, of you and I. The, the willingness to accept the declaration of God that we are small, that we are weak, we are as, as nothing before His sight. And yet He has given us everything in, it, in His Son, the Lord Jesus. I want to ask each one of you here, is that something that stirs your heart? Is that something that is attractive to your heart? Is that something that moves you? Is that something that makes you long for it more? That fills you with a desire to know the Lord Jesus more? And if it isn't, if it isn't, if it doesn't move you, I want to ask you, why? Why does it not move you? Why does it not stir your heart? I want to start reading from 1 John chapter 5. If you've got a Bible, please open it and turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. First John. Chapter 5, 
I'm going to start reading from verse 9. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has witnessed concerning his Son. He that believes on the Son of God has the witness in himself. He that does not believe God has made him a a liar because he has not believed in the witness which God has witnessed concerning his son. And this is the witness that God has given to us. Eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that has the son has life. And he that has not the Son of God has not life. You don't need a simple translation to understand these words. They are simple words. They are words that we use all the time when we speak to one another. The witness of God. Do you know what a witness is? That's probably the hard word in the passage. Can someone help me with what a witness is? Daniel? Um, Someone that sees something. Someone that sees something. Say it up loud. Someone that sees something. Did you hear that? Daniel said someone that, that sees something. And when someone sees something, what do they do? If it's a great thing, Salvatore, they report it. This is the witness of God. This is what God knows. This is what God has reported to us and has revealed it unto us. This is not the first time during this conference that you will hear the gospel. The gospel appeal has already been made. It has been made several times during this weekend. You may have heard it hundreds of times in your life. And I have heard it with my own ears twice at least during this conference. I wonder if God is speaking to someone here. I wonder if God is working in your heart I wonder if he is convicting you and you haven't responded to it yet. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you can respond to the witness of God. God repeats his witness. A young man once spoke to Job and he said to him, God speaks to a man once and he speaks to him twice. And he says he speaks to him in dreams And in visions, but we don't need dreams and visions. God has declared his witness to us clearly and plainly in the scriptures. Clear as black on white printed text. And if you can't read, you are hearing the gospel. 
right now. You are listening to it. Today is the day of salvation. Maybe this is your third time during this weekend to hear the gospel. That young man, he he kept speaking to Job. And he said to him, if there is a messenger, if there is someone to report this thing that Daniel has been telling us about, if there is someone to report to him, what will he say to him? What is the urgent message that a man needs to hear? Can someone else tell me? You know that passage in Job? Let's turn to it. Turn with me to the end of Job. Job chapter 33. Job chapter 33, the message that each person here needs to hear. Verse 23. If there is a messenger with him, an interpreter, one among a thousand to show unto man his duty, then he will be gracious unto him and he will say, deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. Dear friends, this is the message to each one of you. If you know the Lord is your Savior, it is a message you will delight in. It is a message your heart will rejoice in. And if you know Him not, it is to convict you of sin and of your need of a Savior. Turn with me back to 1 John chapter 5. Now, I'll need some some more helpers. Hands up if you receive letters in the mail. Or to your house there come letters in the mail. Some people must have a, not just a no junk mail, but a no mail thing on on their letter boxes. We all receive letters in the mail. What are those letters about? What was that, Greg? Bills. Bills. Greg gets bills in his mail. There is a witness that is sent to Greg. A letter is sent to him in the mail. And it says, Greg, you owe us money. And what is your response to it? He pays it. He pays it. A witness is sent to us in order that we might respond to it. Do you know what the witness of God is? Do you know what the witness of God is? We've read it in this passage. There are two, two here, two witnesses. Lydia, can you tell me? two witnesses here. Read those verses. Can you tell me what those witnesses are? I want you all to look at them. You can find them. Louder. Maybe come up here and use the microphone. 
Say it nice and loud in there. His son in eternal life. Did everybody hear that? God's witness to us today is not the same as the witnesses that they have had in the past. There were many witnesses in the past. There were many ways in which God spoke to men in the past. But the message that God sends to us today is one. One message. It concerns one person. Who is that person, Jonathan? His son, Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God. That's the message that God sends to us today. It is the best message that He has. And the offer that comes in His Son is eternal life. Do you know that you live today in the most amazing time that it is possible for a person to live? Do you know that? We, we speak of the world as getting worse and worse, don't we? But do you know the truth? The world isn't getting worse. It's been as black and as bad as it ever has been since it rejected the Prince of Life. Since it put Him up on the cross. Since it said we will not have this man to rule over us. Since Pilate washed his hands and delivered over the righteous man unto death, this world has been a dark place in which to live. But what a wonderful God we have, that during the darkest of nights, He makes the best of offers to each one of us. The best of offers. Eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He that has the Son has life. And I'll tell you now, if you have life, you will have taken an interest in those things we were speaking about. You will have. Because life is living. Because life is moving. Because life has an appetite. Because life seeks after the things that are of God. And it wants more of them. But he that does not have the Son has not life. He is dead. Dead in trespasses and sins. Dead as far as God is concerned. You might be alive in this world, but from God's point of view, you're a dead man, a dead woman, a dead child, a dead teenager. You're dead if there is no movement in your heart towards God. Do you know what eternal life is? I can't tell you in words. But I can point you to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the true God and eternal life. Look at Him, and you will see what eternal life is. And that very same thing God offers to you. God offers you a life that is obedient to Him. God offers you a life that is full of joy. God offers you a life that is above the sufferings and the pettiness of this world. God offers you a life that is the very same life that is in His Son. Now, I want to read another scripture from Titus.
First Timothy, Second Timothy, Titus. Titus chapter 1, and I, I want especially to ask all the people in the front row to pay extra attention because I'm going to ask one of you to answer the question that's found in this verse. There's a, a wonderful thing about God that's written in this verse, okay? Everybody paying attention? Yes? No? Okay. Now, I want you all to spot what it says about God. There's a characteristic of God. There's something about God in this verse. It says that in the hope of... From verse 2, Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. In the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the ages of time, but is manifested in its own due season, His Word. Now, what does it say about God there? It says lots of things, but what does it say about God? Jesse. Everybody hear that? God cannot lie. God is unable to lie. That's a remarkable thing. Grace, have you said a lie in your life? Have you ever said a lie? That's okay, I've said plenty. Have you said a lie? I don't mean to embarrass you, I'm sorry. We've all said lies, haven't we? Every one of us. We know what it is to lie. We know what it is to twist the truth. God cannot lie. In fact, when God was a, came in the form of man, in the flesh, upon the earth, and they asked Him, Who are you? Do you know what He said? Altogether that which I have said unto you. He was everything that He said. God, unable to lie, the very speaker of truth. I'm going to put that, that up. What is it, the opposite to lie? Jonathan? To tell the truth. And I want to put that up here. That God always tells the truth. And He has promised eternal life. Now turn with me to John. John chapter 8. And I want to show you a shady character. I want to show you the worst of the worst. I want to show you a person who is the opposite of what God is. Turn with me to John chapter 8. Can anyone guess who this person is? Debbie. Satan. Satan. Now, do you know what it says about Satan? Pay attention. You can find out what it says here about Satan's characteristic. There are two things from verse 44, John chapter 8 and verse 44. I'm going to read from the middle of the verse. It says, he was a murderer from the beginning. Now, what is a murderer? Lydia? Sorry? A killer. It is the opposite of life. It is a person who takes away life. But then go on. He has not stood in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he speaks falsehood, he speaks of what is his own, for he is a 
liar and its father. Now, what is it the opposite of speaking the truth? A liar. Is that what Satan is Elijah? Yep. He's a liar. And so you have the characteristic of Satan that all he can do is lie. All he can do is lie. Now turn with me to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, the chapter that we've been been looking at. And I just want to show you very quickly. I'm not going to take a long time. I want to show you four great facts. That the God who cannot lie. That the God who has promised eternal life in His Son. Has given as a witness to you, Sammy. To you. As a witness to you. And he's given as a witness to you, Hannah. To you. A witness. Something for you to believe. And God asks that by faith you believe the thing that He has said before you. And I can assure you now that the liar will tell you the opposite. The liar will do anything he can. To snatch away the truth from you. And there isn't, there's only one truth. But there's thousands of lies. If I, if I steal Samuel's Bible. And Samuel, Samuel reports me. And he says, Mum. I don't know where Sally is. Mum. My Bible's been stolen. And then Sally comes to check. And she says, who stole the Bible? What would you say, Ezekiel? Who took the Bible? Do you want to help me something? Yeah. Peter took the Bible. Now, is that the truth? Amen. That's the truth. Now, what if I say, no, I didn't. Jonathan took it. He's got it under his chair. Is that the truth? It's a lie. No, Jessie took it. She's got it under her chair. Is that the truth? It's a lie. Joseph took it. He's running off over there with it. Is that the truth? It's a lie. But do you know what the point of all that is? I distract you from the truth. That I was the person who took it. I'll give you a Bible. Satan is not concerned what you believe. Satan doesn't care what you believe. He's only concerned with one thing, that you don't believe the truth. Number one, Hebrews chapter one, verse three. Uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 11, verse three. Now, I need someone to tell me what the, the witness of God is in this verse. By faith, we apprehend that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that that which is seen should not take its origin from things which appear. Now, what is God's, what's God's message to us in that verse? 
God says something there in that verse for each one of us to believe. Do you know what it is? Daniel, can you help me? That's okay. Can someone else help me? Sorry? I'll repeat the verse to you. It's not that hard. God doesn't try to trick us. God is very straightforward. And He says, by faith, we believe that the worlds were made by the Word of God. Is that simple? What does that mean? What is the... Jonathan. God made the world. Thank you. That is the truth. That God is the originator. That everything that you see around you today, that everything you've seen in your life, that the people you've met, that the the beautiful creation that surrounds you, that the, the solar system with its sun and its planets spinning around, that the whole universe originated from what cannot be seen. Cannot be seen. What's the lie? What's the lie that Satan would tell you? Jonathan. God didn't make it. Yeah. And you know what? He doesn't care who made it. He told the, the, the Romans that it was weird gods who had funny relationships and did really weird things. And they did this and there was a God who made this and a God who made that. And a God who did a silly thing here and did that. He doesn't care. He's happy. Don't believe the truth. Right? Go to every part of the world and there is a lie that you will find about where this world came from. Do you know what the lie is here in Australia? In the the Western world in which we live? Adults can pipe up if you want to. A big bang. That everything you see took its origin actually from something you could see or maybe maybe couldn't see, I don't know. I'm not here to, to, to talk about science. But I just want to present to you what the Word of God says. That everything you see around you took its origin from the Word of the living God. And I will tell you why men don't want to believe that. Because if everything around you took its origin from the living God, then you, my friend, are responsible to that God. And you will be held to account by that God. The scripture says that professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. (laughs) They are like a, a bunch of mathematicians. Trying to use maths formulas to figure out the meaning of love. It doesn't work. If you want to know where things came from, don't look to science. Look to the one who made it. And he has recorded his testimony in the word of God. Now will you believe it by faith? Number two. Verse four. 
By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained testimony of being righteous. God bearing testimony to his gifts, and by it, having died, he yet speaks. Now what is the second thing that God has given his testimony to and asked us to believe in faith? Abigail, do you know? Did you hear that? A sacrifice. God has given us a sacrifice. Do you know what the sacrifice is? What is the sacrifice He has given us? Who is the sacrifice He has given us? His only begotten Son. Do you believe that? Is He the sacrifice for you? Do you know that without the Lord Jesus you will perish in your sins? Do you know that unless you turn to God in the value of that sacrifice, that you face an eternity of separation from God? An eternity of judgment. Do you realize that? Do you realize that in the value of that sacrifice, God offers you everything? Do you know what Satan would have you believe? Anything. Anything. Absolutely anything except the sacrifice that God has appointed. Abel offered a sacrifice, but someone else offered a sacrifice in this scripture. Who else offered a sacrifice? Abby. Cain. Do you think Abel was a better man than Cain? Some of you think he is and some of you think he's not. I'll just really quickly tell you something about these two boys. Cain came first and his mum was really proud of him. We've heard that before in this conference. She was very proud of him. And then they had this other boy called Abel, and they didn't really care much about him. They said he was, he was worthless, vanity. Wasn't worth anything. Cain was a hard worker. He worked so hard, he tilled the ground. He, he was a hard worker. He was a good bloke, Cain. In that humanly sense of the word that we use it. He's the kind of guy where you might have looked at his life and thought, he is an outstanding example. But he was rejected of God. He was rejected of God because he did not present the correct sacrifice. The sacrifice for sinners. Abel, I don't know anything about Abel, but I know this. That he came to God with an offering. And he recognized he was a sinner. There is no such thing as a good man or a good woman or a good child. No one is good but one. Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. I want everyone to pay attention to this point. 
If you face God today, He will judge you for every one of your sins. And that judgment will be eternal condemnation for you. But if you come before God today, come while it is still today, and say to Him, I believe in the value of what that offering is to you. You don't need great faith. You don't need great faith. You need the right sacrifice. It doesn't matter how much you value it. Don't wait. Don't wait until you understand fully everything there is to know about the Lord Jesus. We've heard that Paul for 30 years was following him and he still wanted to know him. He didn't fully yet know him. Don't wait. You don't need great faith. You need the correct sacrifice. If you're waiting till you can clean up your life, if you're waiting until you can become a better person, you won't. Trust me, you won't. Come before God in the value of the sacrifice that He has accepted. God has accepted His sacrifice. Do you know how I know that? Because the sacrifice is no longer dead. Because the sacrifice of His beloved Son is now sitting in the glory. The same one who died for sinners is sitting in the glory, a risen Lord, a risen Savior. God has accepted His sacrifice. All you need to do is latch onto it. All you need to do is latch onto it and make it yours. Third one. In verse 5. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and he was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he has the testimony that he had pleased God. What is the testimony God gives us in this one? Hello? Anyone? I'm almost done. This is the second last one. It is a testimony that you can be pleasing to God. I want to tell you something about what the Lord Jesus did on the cross. The Lord Jesus did not only die for your sins on the cross. Praise God He did that. But when the Lord Jesus died, He took away everything that stood between you and God. Everything. Everything. And as a result of that, if you believe in the Lord Jesus as your Savior today, today, you may walk with God and you may be pleasing to Him. All the enmity is gone. All the distance is gone. In the death of Christ, he, God the Father reconciled us to Himself. He removed everything in you 
that stood against you. And he is like a father waiting to welcome you back into his arms. Do you know what that testimony was to Enoch? He woke up every morning and he went to bed every night in knowing in his own soul that he was pleasing to God. In his own soul, he knew he was pleasing to God. Could you say that, Samuel? Could you say that? That you are pleasing to God? Every day and every night? You can. You can. You absolutely can. That's what the work of the Lord Jesus has done for us. You can be pleasing to God. You can serve God. You can follow God. You can walk with God. Because of the work of what the Lord Jesus has finished on the cross. That's life. Life that God offers us today. Life that allows us to walk with Him. Do you know what the lie of Satan is to you today? Do you know what Enoch's name means? Maybe Benjamin can help us. Where's Benjamin? Benjamin. What does Enoch mean? Dedicated. Dedicated. Devoted. Diligent. He was a man on a mission. And he was devoted to his God. Do you know that you read of another Enoch in the book of Genesis? Does anyone else know him? Feel free. Do you know him? Where? Where? Chapter 4. Chapter 4, there is another Enoch. And that other Enoch was dedicated to. Do you know what he was dedicated to? The world. The world. Do you know who his father was? The murderer. Cain. And he built a city. And he named it after his son Enoch. And he put in that city everything that you can imagine. That is pleasurable to man. Everything that you can imagine. Maybe I'll say this to those who are a little bit older. Are you looking to make a name for yourself in this world? Are you looking to be somebody great in this world? Are you looking to make money and be a great businessman in this world? There was a man who was the forger of, of every instructor of every type of skillful work in brass and, and iron in that day. Perhaps you would like to be like him. Young sisters, there was a lady whose name was charming in that world. Her name meant charming. She charmed the boys when she went around. Perhaps you would like to be like her. Do you aspire to that? Is that something that you would like for yourself? It is the lie of Satan. There was everything in this world. There was entertainment. There was the harp and pipe. There was every distraction for the heart of man. I once knew a young man. And he was, he was in his late 20s. Who's in their late 20s? Manus and Debbie. Anyone else here in their late 20s? 
Fuad's in his late twenties too. This is a true story. I I knew this man. He used to come into the clinic, and he was a man that we all the young guys might aspire to be like. He was a good-looking young man. He was a good-looking young man. He dressed very well. He was suave. He was able to speak in a way where he just drew people to him. He was a magnetic man. People loved him. They just, there was something about him. He dropped out of school. He didn't bother doing any further education. And he got a job. And his boss kept promoting him, promoting him, promoting him, promoting him. And he was a young man and he was so successful. He was an intelligent young man. And he never showed it off. You could just tell talking to him. He used to leave the clinic and the receptionists at the front would comment to me later about what a fine young man he is. A fine young man. He had a girlfriend. Who he was in love with. He'd been with her for however long. He wore a cross around his neck. And he told me it was his grandmother's religion. It was his grandmother's religion. He had it on his neck. He was a Christian. As he said. He was a man who in every sense was devoted to Enoch's world. And you know something? He came in one day and he said, I've made up my mind, I'm going to kill myself. Why? His girlfriend had broken up with him. And she'd spread lies about him to his friends. And in one swoop he lost his whole circle of friends. And he had no one he could rely on. No one. He would go to work and he couldn't focus anymore. He couldn't pay attention to what he had in front of him. He was a responsible man at work. His boss started talking to him about cutting his hours. He was going to demote him. He was devoted to the lie of Satan. and the, Satan is a murderer from the beginning. Don't believe the lie. Don't make the mistake of devoting your life to Satan. There is opportunity to be pleasing unto God. And he that does the will of God abides for eternity. Abides for eternity. Now I want to share with you one last one from Hebrews 11. Verse 7. By faith Noah, oracularly warned concerning things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world. Noah was 
Confession is made to salvation. Noah didn't hide what he was doing from man. Do you know that? He built a boat before all men. You couldn't miss it. It was bigger than this hall. You couldn't miss it. He invited opportunity for everyone to laugh at him. For everyone to mock him. Have you confessed the Lord Jesus is your Savior? Confessed Him with your tongue? Do your school friends know who your Savior is? Or do you hide Him from them? Do your colleagues at work know who your Savior is? Do they know in whom you have believed? Do you invite mocking upon yourself? Noah did. He wasn't ashamed. And God wasn't ashamed of him. He built an ark for the saving of his household. And some of you guys who are younger, you benefit from your parents building an ark for the saving of their household. And maybe you can go and tell your friends, I can't go and do such and such a thing because my parents don't let me. But your parents don't let you because they love the Lord Jesus Christ. And they have devoted you to the Lord Jesus Christ. But there will come a day when your parents will not be responsible for you any longer. When you will no longer be in their house. And what will happen to you then? Will you slip away? Will the lack of confession in your life... Do you know the scripture speaks plainly about these things? It's not a contradiction. To declare the, the Lord Jesus is your Savior with your tongue brings salvation. Thus, it says it in the Word of God. Perhaps not salvation from your sin, but it brings you salvation in this world. And it saves you from falling away into things that will be hurtful to you. Things that will be harmful to you. There is nothing in the Lord Jesus to be ashamed of. There is nothing in the Lord Jesus to be ashamed of. God loves him. God has always loved him. God is not ashamed of him. He's not ashamed of him. In fact, he loves him so much, he's put him at his right hand in the glory. Confess the Lord Jesus as Lord. That's all I have. That's all I have for you. Just four points of testimony. But, have you made them your own by faith? Have you believed them? They mean nothing if you haven't. And Satan will take every opportunity he can to snatch them away from you and make you believe the lie. If God has been speaking to you throughout this conference, 
if God has been speaking to you for longer than that, because He may well have been, today is the day of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved.